Well, hello, brothers and sisters. I am Daniel Morgan of Go Ye Harvest Outreach Ministry. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And you might say, well, why would I be glad in it? With all the things that are going on around the world, with the things that are going on in my life, with the troubles, the trials, the tribulations, the ups and downs, just life, stuff of life. Why would I be glad? Well, brothers and sisters, we have a lot to be glad for. The word tells us rejoice. We can rejoice and be glad because we know that our God is true to his word. His promises are yes and amen. And who is our God? He is our rock. He is our refuge. He is our protector. He is our provider. He is our all in all. He is a friend who will never forsake us nor leave us. He is a friend that sticks closer to the brother. We can rejoice because he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. With a God like that, what in the world would we fear? With a God like that, why would we not rejoice? You know, we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that we are overcomers. And that God has not given us the spirit of fear that is so pervasive right now. You know, he says that in all things, that all things work for the good of those in Christ Jesus, according to his perfect will. So, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you in all your circumstances, whatever is going on in your life, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. For our Savior, our redemption is nigh, and our God reigns. Brothers and sisters, thank you for watching this video. I want to say now that I pray and, and trust that this video will be a blessing to you. This video is, is one of several. There will probably be nine of these videos. As we look at the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to call them fruitful moments. And we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. I'm sort of going to give an overview, and then I'll begin to talk about the different fruit of the Spirit. So brothers and sisters now, these fruit of the Spirit are given by the Spirit. And with these fruit of the Spirit, we can live lives of holiness and sanctification. That's why we're given these fruit of the Spirit, to help us live our lives in holiness and sanctification. You know, I can remember back in the 70s and the 80s particularly, when oftentimes people would sneer and make fun of those holy rollers those sanctified folks. They didn't want to be called a holy roller or one of those sanctified folks. I remember my mother and my father, my aunts and uncles and others in the church. They didn't mind being called a holy roller. And now I can say, thanks be to God that 40 years, 40 years later, I don't, mean, I don't mind being called a holy roller for God. I don't mind being called one of them sanctified holy rollers for Jesus Christ. And you know, brothers and sisters, you too, a holy roller. You need to be a holy roller and one of those sanctified folk. Why? Because listen to what the Word of God says about holiness and sanctification. The Word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 Strive for peace with all men, for holiness without no man shall see the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, if you don't have holiness in your life, if you're not holy, you cannot possibly see God in peace. And the word of God says, but those, those who, who do not know the Lord will be cast in a lake of fire, eternally separated from God. And then also listen to what we're told over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. But as he who has called you is holy, 
you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What else is there to be said about this, this life of holiness? You must be holy if you're, to, if you're going to see God, if you're going to have eternal life. Because he says, I am holy, and you must be holy. And then, brothers and sisters, what about this thing of sanctification? You know, the word of God says that we must sanctify ourselves. Listen to what we're told by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You're to be completely sanctified. And what is sanctification? Well, sanctification is nothing more than be, to be separated from your sin. Sanctify them is what Jesus said. So we are sanctified in that we are separated from our sin. We're cleansed from our sins. And then over in the first John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. God's word from Genesis to Revelation is true. And we're to be sanctified, purified by the word of God. Sanctify them in your word, for your word is true. And then, brothers, also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, the word tells us, but this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will is that you live a life of sanctification. And then, my brothers and sisters, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 tells us, God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit. Saved, if you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord, he's your Savior, you are saved. And if you are saved, you are saved through sanctification by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important because this scripture really is the crux of what we're going to talk about regarding the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine of them that we're going to talk about, beginning with the first one, which is love today. But they are given by the Spirit, and we're going to be talking about that in detail. So brothers and sisters, how do we live our lives of holiness and sanctification? First, as we're told in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must confess. We must confess with our mouth and we must, we must believe in our heart. Confess our sin, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. We are saved. So first, we confess so that we are saved. Then secondly, after we are saved, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit from God. God deposits his Holy Spirit in us so that we can live lives of holiness and sanctification. Without the Holy Spirit working actively in our lives, through the fruit of the Spirit, we cannot possibly live lives that are pleasing and acceptable to God. So, brothers and sisters, we live our lives through the Spirit and by the Spirit of God with the active presence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Listen to, the word, to what the Word of God tells us in Galatians chapter 5. Verses 16 through 23. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn there and read along with me so that you know for yourself what the word of God is saying. 
Life by the Spirit, verses 16 through 23 of Galatians chapter 5. And brothers and sisters, it reads as follows. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. You see, they're in conflict with each other so that you do not want to do what you should do, brothers and sisters. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, under the law of sin. You see, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They include sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, if you do not inherit the kingdom, if you do not inherit the kingdom of God, it means that you are lost. You are eternally damned, cast into the lake of fire, separated eternally from God. This is the second death according to scripture. But the fruit of the Spirit, listen to this now, brothers, listen to this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those are the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be talking about those. And then, brothers and sisters, we cannot possibly, at least in my mind, uh, talk about the fruit of the Spirit given to us in Galatians chapter 5 without going over to look at virtues and what uh, Paul has to say about virtues and love. And so we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. So therefore, brothers, looking at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, the word of God says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some of those same fruit of the Spirit we just read again. Actually, there's three of them that I just mentioned that are also in the fruit of the Spirit. And the word of God goes on to say, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love was the very first fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5. And here he's telling the Colossians that it is love that binds all of the fruit together in the Holy Spirit. So, brothers and sisters, what is love? Well, I'm glad you asked what is love because we're going to talk about that. But before we talk about what God says love is in the scriptures, let's take a look at the definition of love. If you were to look up the definition of love, or and I did Google it, you come up with three definitions, and two of those definitions are given as a noun, and then the other one is given as a verb. And this is important. So as a noun... The first definition would be an intense feeling or deep affection. You know, babies, it says that babies cause such deep love 
on the part of the parents. The parents just have such deep love for their babies or for their children. Okay? And then another uh, way of looking at love as a noun would be a great interest and pleasure in something. You know, we use that word love oftentimes to describe how we feel about something. For instance, I love to say, I love seafood. I love seafood. Lobster, shrimp, and the like. And then I also love to say, I just love the great outdoors. The beauty of God's nature. I love walking along the beach and listening to the waves of the uh, and listen to the roar of the waves as they come ashore. Oh, I love to be in the mountains and see the rolling hills. The beauty of nature, I love it. Okay? That's a deep affection for something that we like to do. And then we have love can also be a verb. And this is important because as a verb, it's action. Putting into action something. Deep attachment to someone to be in love. When you're in love with someone, you are compelled to act. When you're in love with your fiancé, you, you, you cater to her in all kinds of ways. When you love your wife, you give her flowers, you give her cars, you do things that are pleasing to her. When you love your children, you give them different gifts and do things for them, take them to different places and do things that brings them pleasure. It's the same way with God, our, our Heavenly Father, and with the Lord Jesus and that's important because Jesus tells us what we must do if we confess our love for him. So how does God show his love? You know, first, let's look at love as a verb, as an action. You know, we put, when we put our confession of our love into action, our love of God. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 4, in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty simple. If you love me, keep my commandments. Action do. Love is to do something. And then Jesus also says in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new command I give unto you to love one another. In that you love one another, you demonstrate to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus told his disciples, I give you a new command to love one another as I love you. But he loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross. And then God demonstrated his love. We're told in, in John chapter 3, 16, chapter 3, verse 16. And those Bible students out there and many of you who are not Bible students, you're very familiar with this scripture, John 3, 16, that says, But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him, in him who? In Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, that God loved us so much that he determined way back in the earliest days when Adam walked with God in the Garden of Eve and Adam fell. When Adam fell by disobeying, disobeying God, God had a plan because he knew from eternity past that Adam would fall. But God created us in his image to have fellowship with us. And because Adam failed, God set up a, a plan of redemption to draw us back to himself. He determined that he would have to send his only son, Jesus Christ, whom he loved dearly, to be the perfect sacrifice so that we may be redeemed back to God. You see, Jesus did not want to go to that cross. 
Jesus knew that for that moment that he was up on that cross, he would be eternally separated from God the Father. The scripture tells us that in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus was arrested, he prayed. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. We're told in scripture that when Jesus prayed for himself, that the sweat off of our Lord rolled down as drops of blood. But yet Jesus was obedient to death, even death upon the cross, because he, like the Father, being the express image of the invisible God, also loved us. And then we're also told in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has for us, that we should be called the children of God, by being reconciled back to God the Father, by Jesus, his son, we are called the children of God. We become co-heirs in God's kingdom. You know, we're also told in Romans chapter 5 that God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. God is love. And we demonstrate our love for, and we demonstrate our love for him by keeping his commandments, which are not a burden to us. You find that in 1 John chapter 5. We love God. We obey his word. We keep his commandments. We do not intentionally sin. You know, living the life that we're called to live, lives of righteousness and in obedience, is not a burden. And living for God is not a burden. It's a joy. Because he gives us the fruits of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about, to help us live our lives for God. So, brothers and sisters, let's, let's look at how love can be best described. And in doing so, Paul has given us a very good idea about love. And I want to read what Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And it says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I am nothing. You see, love, listen to this, brothers and sisters, listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps, on, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
Brothers and sisters, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part now. And we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I became an adult, I put away childish things. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. But get this, brothers and sisters, get this now. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of all of these is love. As Paul said, I can have, I can have such love I can have such faith. I can have such faith that I move mountains. I can give everything that I have to the poor. I can even surrender my body and burn to say, you know, I'm giving my body up. But if I don't do it in love, I have love. It promises me nothing. Everything passes away. But the greatest and what will remain will be love. Brothers and sisters, we are called to love. Jesus said in that by loving one another, in doing so, this is how we show the world that his disciples, God loves us so much. And he demonstrated his love for us and that he gave his son, Jesus. He says that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus died for us. What more can we possibly want than a God who would go to such a length to demonstrate his love for us? Brothers and sisters, that the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is just full of scriptures about the love of God and how God demonstrates his love for us. We should be likewise. Be as the scripture says, live our lives in such a way that we love our neighbor better than ourselves, that we're willing to put others ahead of ourselves, that we are not boastful or proud, that we don't put other people down. Let everything that we do be done in, done in love. And yes, sometimes it is not easy to demonstrate this love of God. But in those moments where, where you don't want to demonstrate the love that you know you should be demonstrating, take a moment to say a silent prayer and say, Lord, help me in my weakness. Help me this moment to be like you would help me to be, to demonstrate your love. Yes, it hurts right now, Father God. Yes, I've been abused. I've been used. Well, Father God, I'm going through this trial, this tribulation. I don't understand it. I've got things all around me, problems of life. But keep on demonstrating love. Love for God the Father by obeying his command and not sinning. Demonstrating your love for God in all situations. So brothers and sisters, as I close out this session, the first of nine on love, I just want you to be encouraged. Know that the love of God surpasses all understanding. The love of God. For God's love those whom he loved, he said he chases. And so God loves us and that means he chases after us. And so I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, to, to be on your knees and in his arms, thanking God for his love, his grace, and his mercies. Thanking God for how he has revealed his word to us over and over and over again about how he loves us. So in closing, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, as I said, this is the first of several. 
uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. We call them fruitful moments. I pray and trust that this recording has been a blessing to you. I also ask that if you're not seeing our other recordings, you can see them on YouTube. You can see them on Instagram. Uh, you can go to our website, goyeharvestoutreach.com. You can view them. You can view them all there or get to all of them there. We have uh, several dozens of different postings out there, but I would encourage you to, to look at those as well. Lastly, brothers and sisters, I just want to say we love you dearly, but know that God loves you more. Peace and blessings in abundance. Thank you.